Welcome to the Future of Australia podcast, where your host, Derek Stewart, interviews the entrepreneurs and founders running the 100 fastest growing new businesses in Australia. Welcome to episode 25 of the Future of Australia podcast. In this episode, I interview Brett Campbell, the founder and chief evangelist of Klaxon, a digital growth agency. We discuss how they grew 202% last financial year, doing nearly $1.5 million in annual revenue to become one of the fastest growing new businesses in Australia. We discuss the challenges in the education system for people who learn by doing and are unconventional, out-of-the-box thinkers to how his life changed after the death of a loved one and everything in between. If you are looking to grow your business using advertising that cuts through the noise, check out klaxon.agency, that's C-L-A-X-O-N dot A-G-E-N-C-Y. Okay, so I'm here with Brett Campbell, the co-founder and chief evangelist at Klaxon. Welcome to the podcast, Brett. Mate, thank you for having me. Looking forward to uh, having a good conversation. Excellent. So can you tell us what were you doing before you started Klaxon? What did you study? What type of companies or, or roles were you in? One thing I'll do before I do start is um, we when we just recently rebranded our business about a year ago. Oh, I'd be coming up to a year now almost. Wow, time flies. Um, and when we were looking at names and you know when you like name a child and mm-hmm. You go through all the things of oh, how would this name maybe get misinterpreted or said or, <laughs> or, or anything. We we never really understood until one of our clients started calling us Clax On, but we're actually Claxon. So just to just to preframe that, where the the name is Claxon, um, and happy to get into to the the meaning and everything behind that and how it really fills the business and what we do here um, every single day. But I'll just just give you a heads up there. So, um, mate, what was I doing before Claxon? So. I uh, have been in what you'd call the, let's call it the digital marketing space for a number of years back since 2007, mm-hmm. really, when my sort of entrepreneurial spirit sort of started to take off. Um, you know, I realized there was this thing called, you know, the internet, right? We always, you know, I, I grew up with the internet, the old dial up and all of that. And I was like, oh, this thing's pretty weird. I wonder where this will end up. And by golly, you know, we're sitting here talking over a video conference. Um <laughs> And so I, in 2007, 2008, Facebook sort of started to pop up and become a lot more popular, started to grow. And I, uh, at the time, was a personal trainer. So I was a fitness trainer and I was trading time for money. I was working in a gym. Mm -hmm. And one day I was walking out to go and do my evening sessions as a personal trainer, as you do. You know, you do the 5 Mm -hmm. a.m. to 10 a.m. in the morning, then you go home, eat, sleep, or, or do whatever you do um here in the gold coast i used to visit the beach a fair bit then you'd go back at night time do your evening session so it was quite a long day and really tiresome at, at times and i was walking out to do my evening sessions one day and i walked past my roommate's computer and she had a picture of someone doing what looked to me like a squat so the exercise mm-hmm. of squat because it had a, a photo of someone standing up and then the photo right next to it was him squatting down i was like oh what's mm-hmm. that and I walked over and said, yes, yeah, squat. And I was like, what's this? And she goes, I just bought it. It's a workout program. I'm like, holy what? Like <laughs> you, can, you can have a, you can have a workout, you, you know, you can sell workout programs online. I was like, and I was, I was heading to the gym to go and mm. meet them on one-to-one and train them. I was like, oh my God, that was a light bulb for me. 
one, to be able to look at it from a leverage leverage standpoint, but secondly, the the capacity that you had to be able to reach an audience all over the world. Because this person whose whose ebook it was, you know, workout program, they were in Canada and literally at that time they would have been sleeping. So that mm. concept you hear, you know, make money while you sleep, especially back then, I was, you know, it sounded like a bit of a spammy thing, like, oh yeah, you can't make money while you sleep, you <laughs> turn up to work. But this was the the evolution of that. And I became obsessed with with online marketing and then marketing itself and you know, looking at psychology and persuasion and influence and how do we how do people do the things they do? Why do we do what we do? Which which started a quest to to build an online fitness company, which turned into a fitness franchise, the fastest growing fitness franchise here in Australia. We then created an RTO and we're qualifying people to become fitness trainers. Mm-hmm. And we we had a you know the company was was massive growing really fast. Um, and then of course when you're doing things in in the online world and you're doing well and and you're hitting it out of the park and, and ticking the boxes. People come up to you and or not necessarily come up to you. They'll slide in on your DMs <laughs> and go, hey, how are you doing this? Can you help me? Can you coach me? And at the mm-hmm. heart of it, I've always been a teacher. Like, And when I say a teacher, I just love teaching people stuff. Like if I learn something, I want to show someone how to do it, right? Because I just love the, the transaction of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? The transaction of knowledge to me is something more powerful than any dollar or cent can provide. So... I started teaching and coaching and I created another company, a consulting company, um, you know, where I was coaching and mentoring, advising business owners on, on how to, I guess, utilize digital, utilize paid advertising, social media mm-hmm. to really grow their business and brand, right? So it was very marketing-led, very social media-oriented led that would be the catalyst to grow and scale businesses. Um, and obviously, when you're teaching people how to do it, you know, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink the water, right? Mm. You jump on the bloody top of the horse, put the horse's head underneath the water <laughs> and you still can't make them drink it, right? Yeah. So it started to evolve the conversation into, hey, can you just do it for me? Can you just do it for me? Can you do it for me? And it was about two, two and a half years. I was like, no, 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 I can't because at that time I had four companies that I was operating mm. and and overseeing and, and driving and growing and, and I just had to, you know, there was just too much happening um, until it got to a point where I had a, a specific conversation with a friend of mine and it lasted about two hours. And at the end of it, I was like, bloody hell, I've got to, I've got to start this agency. Mm. And that, that was sort of the evolution. Yeah. And so if we go back to the start, when you were first in the fitness industry as a personal trainer, was that a... Um, early ambition and you thought you were going to be a fitness trainer forever? Did you sort of fall backwards into it? You just hung out at the yeah. gym a lot? It was sort of you didn't know what else to do? Or how did you first get into fitness as a as a job, as a career? Great question. So the prequel to all of that was I got kicked out of high school at 16. I lived in a mm-hmm. very small town of a couple of thousand people and there was really nothing to do. And um, you know, I got kicked out of high school, not, not because I was a bad kid. You know, I always grew up with morals and I was, you know, I, mm. I played by the rules. I like to bend the rules, but I'd always <laughs> play by the rules. Uh, and I, funnily enough, I got kicked out of high school because I was talking too much. I'd just distract my friends. I was just distracted. You know, I was learning <laughs> shit that I was like, this ain't, what's algebra going to do for me? You know, how, how is this going to work? There's a calculator. Have you not seen these new scientific calculators that have just come out? It's not going to work, right? So for me, I was distracted and I've, I've um, got asked to leave high school. And my sister actually came home. She goes, oh, she was seeing a guy at the time who's now still her husband. Um, and 
she said her, her, his dad has an apprenticeship opportunity open at the joinery factory, so a cabinet making factory. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll take it. You know, at school, I was good at three things, right? I was really good at woodwork, right? I was really good at physical education, and I was good at lunch, right? I wasn't <laughs> going to get paid to eat, right? I, at the time, there was really no fitness jobs. It was like, you know, if you're a fitness trainer, you're training the rich and famous people, and that was really mm. where it was. So woodwork sort of fell into place. I was like, oh, I know how to, I'm good at woodwork. I'm good on the tools. I like building things. So I became a cabinet maker. And the funny thing was, was I knew from day one that wasn't what I was supposed to do. Like I just knew, you know, looking back, I was like, man, the signs were almost punching me in the nose to say, mate, this isn't the path for you. But uh, Like you know, what like, in particular? Was it just a, <clears throat> a dreading of the work? Was it the, you know, just a bad knew, boss? Was it? Well, it was a number of things, right? It, the the work when you when you're an apprentice you get treated like a piece of shit especially back in those mm-hmm. days you know i had every every prank pulled under the sun on me which you know yeah they're, they're pretty funny if you look back at it but you know um outside of all of that stuff because you know those are just little micro things i just knew you know when you know you shouldn't do something right it's, it's an mm. internal feel it's an intuitive feel right and i was a, i'm a very curious person and as a kid i was always curious and i always had a very, very, very strong intuition, like very strong intuition. And it's not till the last several years of my life that I've really tapped into that and started to make decisions and follow that. Hence why I'm able to do things really quickly, a lot quicker than other people because they spend too much time thinking, overthinking um, the decisions where I, I, I very much so believe in that, that gut feel, that, that mm, sort of feels off um, scenario. And I just knew from day one that that wasn't it but there was nothing else there so i was like i just got to stick at it you know and Mm, i stuck at it for five years too long (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then at the end of that the transition into the fitness was i was at a point where i was like what am i going to do in my life you know i was like a ninth not 20 year old boy um and i say boy because most 20 year olds you're not a man yet um and i was just lost and i was like i knew though from like the bottom of my soul that I was always and am, and I still feel this, I'm destined for something great, but I don't know exactly what that was. And I still, you know, I've got thoughts around it right now, but, but I feel that there's still this, this becoming right. Mm. Um, and at that stage I decided, you know what? I was good at three things at school, right? I was good at woodwork. Mm. I'd already tried that physical education uh, and lunch. And I still wasn't going to get paid to eat MasterChef <laughs> and the TV shows weren't around then. <laughs> right. Um, so I thought, well, let's do physical education. So I went to university. I thought, let's just go to university. You know, I was like a 20, 21 year old going into university. It was, it was one of the funnest years of my life actually. And I say a year cause I only lasted a year. I got to the end of the first year. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like these guys, you'd go to class for a couple of hours and then you'd have the rest of the day off. I was like, this is crazy going from working 10 hours a day, five, six days a week to university life. I just thought it was a big holiday and I uh, got to the end of the first year and I was like, there's no way that I'm sticking this thing through for another three years. Cause I learned from the first time, right? I knew from day one university, I, I knew as well that uh, this is probably the longest route possible to success. But what I did was at the end of my first year of university, I, I, I flew over to Australia, so I grew up in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and I, I flew over to Australia to stay with my sister, and 
first six weeks. And part of that deal was that I'd build her a pool deck and, and fence for her, their new swimming pool that they just put in. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can do that for free board and food and you just sort of hold me up. Because um, again, I was a uni student at that time. Um, mm. But while I was over here, I was doing some Google searching. I was like, oh, there's got a personal training courses. You know, what can I do? And then I, I uncovered there was, there was a company that could do a online fitness course for me and I could do it in literally eight weeks and I could get the certificate I needed to start training people at a gym. And I was like, holy crap. So I signed up to this course. I um, literally moved to Australia on a week's notice, packed up my life in New Zealand, moved over here in January. Um, and then three months later, university was supposed to start and I was already in a gym working, getting paid like 80 bucks an hour um, to train people one-on-one while my mates were going back to uni for their second year. I was like, oh my God. And this was, you know, I, I was on 20 bucks an hour as, as a foreman of our cabinet, of our factory mm. and moving to all of a sudden being able to get $80 an hour. I was like, holy, my life has just changed, right? So it was that transition. Um, but the, the ethos that, that follows through with all of that is, um, you know, and I guess the reason why you, you've you reached out to me to, to come on this podcast is the ability to be able to do things in a shorter time frame, mm. right? I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with finding better ways of doing things. There's got to be a faster way. There's got to be an easier way. There's got to be, you know, and not fast and hazardous, mm. right, at the detriment to other people or things, but, you know, there's got to be a faster way. And, and so you had, I, I guess, and there's a natural friction between this seeking of efficiency and these large institutional structures like school and university. And I imagine your algebra teacher wasn't very happy or, I mean, what was their answer when you said, why algebra? Did they have an answer or it was just one of those sort of corrupting the wow. youth type things? It was like, I didn't write the curriculum. You know, they, they <laughs> almost agreed. You know, you're like, mm. oh, you'd be hard pressed to find a teacher right now that would stand up and go, yes, the school and curriculum is exactly what students need. It's not, it's broken. It's unfortunate because there's so many factors that go into it. There's so many different nuances and, you know, you're not just designing. You cannot have 30 people in a classroom with one teacher teaching all of them at the levels in which they need to be taught, right? Like I, hmm. I, was, I was talking to a, um, to a client the other day around the homeschooling situation, right? And obviously hmm. COVID is a huge a huge indicator of, hold on a second, maybe the schooling curriculum is really broken. Like it just sort of highlights the fact that, you know, for a lot of parents and this isn't everyone and this is the problem because there's no Mm -hmm. one size fits all, but there's students who, who have done their entire year worth of maths in the first three weeks of being home on COVID because you can work at your own pace. You can work at your own, especially if you're doing the homeschooling situation, right? Mm. I'm a big believer on having pers- like you've got your basic schooling, you know, you, you've got to learn to read, to write, to engage and interact with human beings, which mm-hmm. is absolutely imperative and school is fantastic for that. Um, but the ability, like for me, if I look back, if I was able to work on the things that I had unique abilities around and I was really good at, if I actually got taught how to speak and how to engage and how to articulate and storytell properly, you know, um, 
Like, I was the only kid who liked drama and acting at school because mm-hmm. that was my vehicle to be able to try and let all this creative energy that I had out of my body. But when you're told, hey, stop that, be quiet, <laughs> don't move, it's like, oh my God, I felt like I was in a, in a jail of sorts, right? And a mm. lot of kids are feeling that right now. There's a lot of kids out there who they're being taught how to learn something. So, some people learn better by doing. Mm. I became a really good cabinet maker because I jumped on the tools and started doing it. I didn't read a book. I didn't watch a video on how to, how to do it. It was, it was different. And some people though mm. are really good at watching and not doing. Some people are really good at listening. So it's, it's a, it's a, um, a problem that requires a massive amount of dialogue and test and measure. That's really what it mm. is. Yeah, and it's interesting that those natural um, strengths of yours, like you said, those unique abilities were punished, like being extroverted, being talkative, wanting to be a storyteller, wanting to be, mm-hmm. you know, probably sociable, get people together, um, ask good questions, think of yep. more efficient ways of doing things, resulted in sort of, hey, you don't fit in, the system's too rigid for you, so you have to exit the system versus, well, how can we adapt and, and give you opportunities to, yep. you know, um, leverage what you're good I at? We'll say... Mr. Robinson, a shout out to Mr. Robinson. He was my, <laughs> my primary school principal. He actually created a problem-solving class. Right, so I love okay. solving problems, right? Mm. Because it's the curiosity of, oh, there's got to be a way to fix this. There's a solution, right? And I was the only kid in the class. Um, and then I got to bring a friend along because it was, you know, it, it sort of had to become a class type situation versus mm. one-on-one tutoring because I'd get pulled out of my standard class to mm. go and do a, you know, a period on um, problem solving and he'd give me certain problems that I've got to solve. And, and um, that, that didn't last too long though, because, um, you know, he was hoping there'd be a lot more interest in it, but um, you know, things like that, like I, I, I don't even remember the only things I remember in my primary school was, when we had intervals and lunch, when I was kicking the football mm-hmm. and hanging out with the mates or chasing girls and, <laughs> and that problem solving class, right? Because it was mm. the thing that lit me up. It was, it was that vehicle for me to be able to become who I, you know, I didn't know who I was, but it was a vehicle, right? And that's what, that's what learning and education should be about is being able to become the best version of you. Mm. And it's interesting, again, that you had a creative teacher who was willing to step outside the box and sort of put a flag in the ground and say, hey, who else wants to step outside the box? But then ironically, no one else does. You're the only one who actually did want to sort of step outside the box. And uh, and that's obviously the other challenge in education. When you do change things and people say, well, change is scary. And no, I'll just stick with what everyone else is doing. So being willing mm. to sort of go out on your own a bit is, um, I guess, another you, aspect you know what the, You know what I don't think a lot of people like problem solving? Why is that? Because you have, you have to be wrong so mm. much, right? Mm. Think about that. You have to face failure, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. That ain't going to work. That's not going to work. That's, that, for a lot of people, that's just like an, an obscene amount of that's, – that's why when people – something's wrong at, at the household, right, or something's wrong around the house, like the solution is call the plumber. Mm. You know, or call the builder. It's like, and the builder walks in and it's just a screw, mate. Your cabinet screws loose. Just mm. tighten the bloody, right? Versus, mm. I don't want to. I don't want to tackle the problem. Now, um, you know, I mean, those examples. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely an advocate of you know utilizing other people's strengths as well. Mm. Don't get me wrong with that. But 
why I do believe a lot of people don't like walking into problems is because sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you're not going to fix it on the first hit. Yeah. And there's no learn what's in the book, memorize it, repeat it, and then get a guaranteed high score. Like you said, you've got to try, you could be wrong. Mm. You have to sort of fumble around. You've got to think of the principles. You've got to use logic, maybe other skills. It's not just, Hey, copy this, do what you're told, follow the instructions. And then the result is sort of guaranteed. And that's often, I guess, the disconnect between the education system in real life because you get used to following the instructions, guaranteed success, very linear to, well, how do you get a client? How do you work? How do you get a job? How do you do these things? There's no follow, you know, paint by numbers structure to achieve that. You've got to fail fast, mm. right? Failing fast. And, and that's why I'm okay with things not working because I've built the muscle. You know, I've, I've, when I embrace problems, it gives me the opportunity to naturally become so at ease and so confident and expecting of things not working that it's okay when it doesn't work because I'm like, cool, next. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh my God, I can't believe that didn't work. Or why did I hire that person? That was, <laughs> why did I do this? You know, that like it, it allows you to move on a lot quicker. Yeah. You know, I wish it was a skill that, that a lot of people would adopt or at least try to embrace or take on because for me personally, and I mean, I know everyone's different, but for me personally, the ability to be able to move on from something that didn't work or isn't currently working, whether it be, you know, professionally, emotionally, um, physically, mm. it allows you to get a lot more done on, on this planet. And that comes back to the, the whole ethos for me is, you know, is that we have one shot at life, right? We've mm -hmm. got one opportunity and wouldn't you want to experience more? And the way you experience more is by facing more things head on. And when you were growing up, were your family supportive of your unique out-of-the-box thinking behavior or were they very sort of on the side of the school and the teachers, do what you're told, sort of fit in, or did they nurture that sort of um, unique side of you? Yeah, great question. It was sort of a bit of a blend because many years later, you know, once, once I did a lot of um, – reflection and personal development and growth and became a lot more emotionally intelligent. I went back and, and I tried to understand because I was, I was that purple cow in mm -hmm. the field. Right? Like I didn't have friends who were like me. I'm, I'm, I'm a different out of my group of friends that we grew up with. Um, I'm very different in that aspect. Um, and my parents, you know, they, they embraced and tried to foster as much as they could based on their understanding of, of how I was. Mm -hmm. Right. Like um, now in this day and age, I'd probably would have just got, you know, prescribed, Oh, you've got ADHD. <laughs> you need some tablets. Right. I couldn't sit still. I was always wanting to do things The ad the ad breaks would come on TV and I'd be up running around, you know, walking around the house, just doing something just because, <laughs> you know, I'd walk to the kitchen, open the cupboard, shut the cupboard, don't get anything. Um, but, you know, my, my parents were, were supportive, um, certainly of that. My mother um, done everything she possibly could with, with, you know, obviously we had very limited budget. We, we grew up in a very low socioeconomic area. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents split up when I was four, um, you know, and, and she had to work a couple of couple of jobs and she was on the, the benefit as well to try and support myself and my sister growing up um, and then my younger brother um, many years later. But um, 
it's, I look back sometimes and go, oh, I wish I had, I had support here. I wish I could have, you know, had access to this. And I felt a little bit guilty, like, cause I sort of felt a little bit of resentment, right. To, mm. to my parents. Cause I'm like, oh man, if I had had this or that, but the reality was, was man, they were doing everything they could with what they had. Mm. Right? So, um, yeah, I, they, they did it. They've clearly did a great job. You know, I'm, I've, I feel I'm a very respectful you know, man and, and I've grown up with some really deep embedded morals and, and respect for people. And, you know, and I know they're certainly proud of me and I'm proud of what they were able to, to do and help and support to, to get us where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned you're a personal trainer, sort of earning by the hour, which is probably a good hourly rate, but again, doesn't scale, can't disconnect your sort of labor and split shifts and long days and weekends. Um, and then you see some online sort of training materials. How do you go from that to sort of getting into the fitness franchise world? Yeah, so um, very smoothly, actually. So in between the morning and evening and midday sessions that I was running as a trainer, once I seen that ebook, I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Right. So I literally jumped online down, you know, bought the product myself, looked Mm -hmm. at it. Okay. How does that work? Oh, what's this thing? What's that? Again, this is where my curious nature and problem solving ability really um, enabled me to, to work things out. So I'd get home at like nine o'clock at night from training clients and I'd be working till like 2am in the morning. Mm right working out what i got to do here i'm on online forums going what's html code <laughs> you know what's this here and i'm building out sales pages there was no drag and drop builders back then as mm. well so it was, it was the wild wild west so i was just trying to figure it out i spent so like literally thousands of hours um really trying to every waking hour i had um was trying to work this out because i knew that if i could tap into this thing i could you know i'm not just w- being able to um, help people in my community. I, I could, instead of an audience of 20,000, I could have an audience of 200 million. Mm. Right. And that, that like exploded my, my brain when I was thinking about that. And, I, and um, so it was just the obsession to, to get it working. But as I was going through it, I was really enjoying it. Cause you know, what you think was, oh, I'm going to create an online workout program. It led to this quest of, marketing and psychology and and so forth and the deeper understanding and i just love that stuff the curiosity once again um and look became really good at it ended up being able to build databases um you know the old way now you hear it out there build lead magnets and Mm. and get people through funnels you know i was doing it back in 2008 9 10 Mm. and we generated hundreds of thousands of leads sold tens of thousands of online workout programs um yeah, my wife, I met my wife at the gym actually. And so then we, we sort of pivoted and she was um, more the face of the brand and, and the programs and so forth. Cause then we sort of, t- we, we narrowed in on female only. Mm-hmm. And um, what was happening was we were generating so much um, you know, interest in selling so many products and building massive community at the time. And this was before every Instagram person, well, Instagram wasn't even there mm. then. This was before every every female on Instagram becomes a fitness trainer and a <laughs> model, right? This was this was pre that. So, yeah. you know, we, we had a we we essentially there was probably a couple others at the time that really pioneered that space in the in the fitness space here. Um and and even even you know, around the world to be perfectly honest. And we were getting people so we had our own physical location mm-hmm. as well. So we had a fitness location. Um I'd 
uh, changed from one-on-one training to group training. Mm-hmm. Again, I was leveraging. I was trying mm-hmm. to leverage as much as I could. Um, and we had people in our community going, hey, when can, why don't you come and train us here? When can you train us? And we're like, oh, I put a post up. I said, hey, if we were to create a location, right, if we were to create a location, where would you want one? And mm. like this post just <laughs> went absolutely banana. I was like, that's enough proof for me. Mm. That was my market research, right? Mm. And this was back in the early days. So I don't build businesses like this now. But I was like, that's enough proof. My mm. intuition was like, yep, this thing's going to be a hit, right? I didn't go and do market research, didn't send out big 100 question surveys to decide and da 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 da. I was like, cool. I wrote a sales page with all the information required, put it up, um, launched it within like a couple of weeks, had a um, from idea to launch literally within um, a couple of weeks, and had over 170 people apply to be a franchisee of our, of our um, business. Mm. And it just went like that we had in the first six months we brought on 35 locations um we couldn't keep up there was you know, we had applications mm. out the wazoo um which then led into people wanting to become trainers because when you go on a fitness journey mm. right when you go on a fitness journey and you you become fit and you've gone through <laughs> and you've had a training like, oh my god this is so good right it's that transaction of knowledge mm. so it's passing mm. the knowledge on and that's what people wanted to do. So we were like, let's build an RTO and let's get these people qualified. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of transitioned um, from that. And then, I mean, eventually, did you just sort of sell it off? You, you wanted to focus more on marketing. Like you said, people were asking you for marketing help. Did it sort of um, fizzle a bit because it's very sort of um, sometimes quick to grow, but quick to sort of decline industry, the fitness industry, a little bit like the fashion industry. Um how did that sort of evolve or, or what happened to, I guess, that fitness sort of side of your life in business? Yeah. So we, we still have the fitness company. Um, the decision with, with the, there was a, there was a big, at the time, the, uh, the government regulations came out and, and the RTO made some massive changes in the fitness mm. space. And it, it basically, we had to make a massive major pivot in our business model um, to continue on with that. Yeah, we literally, and it was a decision. It was a, it was a tough decision, but it was a decision that I was like, I'm not prepared to make that pivot. Mm. Um, it was required. Um, with the franchise, it grew so quick. And if you heard me say, and, and I said it very intentionally, that like, where, where do you ever just get an idea and two weeks later you you built a franchise like that? <laughs> like that's it doesn't even sound like right mm. when you when you look because i don't even know how to build a franchise i was like okay i'm just going to build it on the go mm. and man did i learn a shit ton and a lot through that to be able to get something up so that someone could purchase a business off you and then operate it and run it um and our our, our model at the time was nothing was comparable to it because we would literally fill up locations right if you bought a location of us you'll get automatic clients like that's not how franchises work mm. you don't do that um, but there was, there was a couple of things that happened, um, that, um, really pivoted the way forward from there. And I, I actually can't speak about one of them, mm-hmm. um, but it, it kills me to this day. Um, cause you ever know when like you've done everything that you possibly can and you've put everything into something and you know, you're absolutely right about something 
and it's it's actually factually not even your fault, mm. but you still have to bow down to something. Yeah, it's yeah. It was quite a um a, a pivotal moment, and at that time, it was the the reality of when I got into like we we started the online world in the fitness space because my dream was to be able to work remote, mm-hmm. be a solopreneur. And all of a sudden I'd created a monster. <laughs> and I was like, man, I didn't even sit down and ask myself if I wanted a fitness franchise. Mm. Like that, did, I didn't know if I wanted to get into franchising, but it was taking me away from everything that I love to do. Um, so we, we stopped taking on any new franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, at the end of the franchises, um, ending their terms of agreement, we just gave them the location. We didn't even, we didn't even sell it to them. Mm. So we, we effectively, and that was, that was a decision that, that I wanted to make that, that left on really good terms as well. Um, so yeah. Okay. And then, so you're in the marketing space, like so you've obviously been doing marketing and helping, like you said, your franchisees market and, and do really well. And then you decide to go sort of full time in the marketing space and really focus on that. And obviously companies done very well growing over 200% last financial year being in the Fin Review fast starters doing over 1.5 million <laughs> revenue. So what was that sudden growth? Obviously, you've dealt with sudden growth in the franchise physical space, but in this, um, I guess, professional services space um, and as a marketing agency, what was that rapid growth like in, in the, both the good and the bad? Um, what was it like? Um, I mean, our first year was 2000. So we, we, we won the 2018 Best Social Media Agency of the Year mm-hmm. in our first 12 months of operations. And, and then, like you said, AFR fast starters and then the Deloitte fast 50 um, that was purely based around when we started the business myself and my co-founder mm-hmm. we literally sat down and the only thing that was going to make us do this and for myself at the time I was like I'm not just going to start an agency and have a few clients mm-hmm. if I'm going to do this thing I'm going to do it properly okay so the intention was set from day one from day one, it was how do we become the number one digital marketing agency in the country, mm. right? That's, that was our sort of first target. Literally in the first six months, you know, we took out the 2018 Best Social Media Award in Australia and New Zealand. And that was just proof that, you know, I mean, I was putting in some big hours. Yeah, the, the same old story, you know, mm. you're putting in the work, do the work, but make sure you're working on the right thing at the right time. And that's what we did. We're working on the right thing at the right time, brought the right people in at the right time, um, pivoted where required. You know, we, um, everything that we've, like, I've got a frame of this, um, our first boardroom session where we've got butcher's paper up of, all right, let's sort of look at what this thing mm. looks like. Because it was originally created as Campbell Media Group, mm-hmm. right? So mm. it was um, predicated and we leveraged, you know, my name, Brett Campbell. So, for the first two years of, of that business, you know, we, we achieved all of those awards without even marketing, but like we weren't even doing our own marketing. That was just, that was just people coming to us. And the biggest obstacle that we had was being able to find people, find talent that could operate at a level that one we expected. Um, because again, the industry is still so new, mm. right? That it was no, qualification or there was no real and whoever created these qualifications you know it's debatable who did as well because the the industry is so so new Mm. marketing is also new 
Um, so we thought, and this was probably the biggest obstacle we, we had, was we thought that, cool, we'll be able to find heaps of great talent. Um, but before I started the agency, it's important to note, I'd already spent over $2 million in advertising mm. on Facebook myself, right? So I'd already had massive experience. There's very little people, especially at that time, who had even, you know, you might've got people go, yeah, I've, I've spent 20, $50,000. like, mm. cool. And right now we've got people with hundred thousand or yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month advertising budget. Mm. You know, we manage millions and millions of dollars a year. It's a different, it's a different ball game now. You know, it's not advertising with day trading attention. It's, that's really what we're doing. And, and we quickly realized in order for us to grow faster, like we'd be three times as big, four times as big right now if, if the talent was available. Um, so, you know, we need to, we're very diligent with who we bring into the team, the organization, and, and now, you know, make sure we put an adequate resource over and above to train and educate people to get up to, you know, a, a really strong level. Because at Facebook advertising, there's, there's a number of things to it, right? Um, and we don't just do Facebook. So at Claxon, you know, we work on all socials. So Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn, TikTok. Uh, and then we also work in all the Google suites. So, mm -hmm. you know, Google advertising, um, banner advertising, Google search, um, the uh, Google shopping, et cetera. It's just YouTube, the whole suite. So you got to look at that. Each of those are a discipline, right? Mm. But the fundamental thing that governs it all is marketing, mm. is knowing why people do what they do. That's the psychology. That's the influence, the persuasion. And that's what's not taught. Right. Someone might, anyone can go into an ads account and create an ad because Facebook have done a pretty good job at being able to step you through, create this, follow that, mm -hmm. do that, add your image, cool, write your headline here, place your order, spend your money, potentially waste your money because <laughs> right? they, don't, they don't teach you. They marketing. make it easy for you to spend money, right? But not easy Absolutely. to get I mean, an ROI. Even to the point where the amount of people who have wasted money on that blue boost post button mm. Like literally, it's so easy for someone to spend money on Facebook if you've got a fan page. You, oh, mm. this post is outperforming another one by 80%. You should put $20 on it. Okay, that's amazing, right? Um, but that's where people need to take personal responsibility themselves and, and Facebook ain't just going to hand you everything, mm. right? So the real, the real value for us is, um, and I say that our, our differentiator is we don't build ads, we build businesses. So we're very business-minded, very business-focused. Everything's about generating ROI in the quest of growing and scaling a company. It's not about you know what return did we get on that ad? Mm. What return did we get on that campaign? Whilst those are things that you look at, but where we want to be is like, okay, anyone who comes and works with us at Claxon, right, is we want to know that they're growth-minded. They want to grow and scale their company. And, you know, if you just want to stay plateaued and you just want a handful of leads or you just want a handful of sales on your e-commerce store, we're not the business to be working with. If you want to grow and scale, that we're definitely the business, right? Because we're, we're growth focused. So how do we scale? How do we, how do we spend more this month to make even more? Mm. And I noticed that a big part of your messaging is about cutting through the noise, delivering, like you said, growth, revenue growth, outcomes. Um, in a, what I guess a lot of people think is very saturated world, 
Um, how do you cut through part? You mentioned the mindset of the clients, probably want to grow, and part is obviously the psychology, persuasion, marketing. What else do you sort of do to stand out in, in the noise of sort yep. of a crowded social, online, offline environment? Yep. Um, probably a good time to circle back to our very first opening sentence of Klaxon, right? So we rebranded a year ago and it was purposeful and it was always on the cards, right? Because we, we went, we launched into the USA last November. Mm -hmm. So six months ago. Um, so we wanted to, we took out Australia and we go, let's go global. Okay. Um, and when I say took out Australia, you know, we achieved what we'd set out to achieve essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously still wanting to grow and continue in, in Australia, but, we um open up in, in the US. And brand was a huge thing, right? How you're perceived in the marketplace is an absolutely important thing. Because there are many quote unquote digital marketing agencies, social media agencies out there. Our biggest pivot was we're we're not a digital marketing agency and we're not a social media agency. We're a digital growth agency because we do look and think differently. Okay. Our conversation is going to be very different than if you went to XYZ social media agency. Right, we're very different in that aspect. Klaxon is actually um, our our you know, tagline. Essentially, is be heard. So we we want to help our customers and clients be heard, right? Because uh, if you're being heard and you've got a good message and you've got a good product or service, the rest will be taken care of. So Klaxon is actually the name of a loud electric horn, right? So that's where Klaxon ties back into it. So branding is is very important. The look, the feel, the tone. Mm the way in which you present yourself um, is absolutely imperative, right? Um, when it comes to getting any results, because you could have the same ad, the same copy, but if it's positioned differently or there's, there's a, there's, you can know there's a big brand behind it or there's a feel towards it, you're going to get cut through, um, you know, as opposed to someone who doesn't. Or they just look like another. Oh, you look like you've just popped out of the the woodwork and started your agency. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and so, um, obviously, you're over in the US. You're in Australia. You've been in the fitness space. You're in the marketing space. What trends do you see in entrepreneurship in Australia? Um, you know, compared to the US or compared to other areas, what are Australian um, businesses and entrepreneurs doing well, and where are they sort of uh, leaving growth or room to grow on the table and underperforming perhaps? They're leaving growth on the table, and I talk I talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs a year about this stuff personally, mm. um, and in these one on one dialogues. And I say this, and it's it's um, businesses that need to start taking marketing seriously. Marketing is not something that you can give to Mary, who's your admin, because she's she's got an Instagram page or she likes social <laughs> media, right? I'm telling you. The amount of times I have conversations with people and they ask me, how do I start my marketing or how do I create a marketing strategy? Cause I'm going to get, you know, Bob, um, in our sales department, he's got a few spare hours each week to do it. Marketing is the most important component in your business. Cause it's the first, if you don't have it, if you don't have a way to attract clients, you could have the best product service, R and D, anything. You have the best sales process, but if you've got no one to, to test it on or to take someone through, you ain't got shit. Yet business owners see marketing as a hobby, as a side project, mm. right? And a lot of them are starting to wake up because they're like, oh my God, this offline media isn't working as much, especially through COVID. It's like, oh, we've got no foot traffic. What's mm. going on? Oh no, we better revamp our website. So no, you, you need to revamp your marketing, your message. You need to be out there. You need to be seen and heard by everyone. 
right? So moving to digital is happening regardless whether you like it or not. I looked on the, on the news the other night, um, News Corp, I think it was, there a hundred news publications are all moving to digital. Mm. They've moved a hundred print publications to digital. I mean, I don't know how much more businesses need to, to see or, or hear until they start taking marketing seriously. Because until you start taking it seriously, you're going to try and do it yourself. And you're not the marketer, right? You're not a marketer. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe, maybe you're the dentist. Maybe you're the, the florist, right? Why should you be learning your own marketing? And if you go, oh, I don't have the money to do it. It's like, well, you need to find it because you're, you're just going to slow, give yourself a death by a thousand paper cuts. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, when, and I don't want to sound like I'm being an asshole here when I say you've got to find it because I get it. I understand, you know, but be more resourceful. Mm. Reach out to people. Have conversations. Be, be very, um, yeah, I was going to say aggressive, but be, <laughs> be, be relentless in your pursuit mm. of finding out a solution to getting your marketing working. And you know what? If it is you and you really don't have any, any dollars to put towards it um, and you know, you don't have anyone who can invest in your business. Maybe there's, there's people out there right now who would be happy to give you money and, and own a share of your business, right? Mm. That's not a dumb move. That's probably for most small business owners, that's probably a really good move, right? But you don't have to do that. You can, you can seek out um, people who know what they're talking about. But I also understand a lot of people have tried that and they've been burnt by these one, two man, three man band agencies mm. who say they can do it because they've run some ads for their cousin Sharon, right? But, but, and because they accidentally fell into it. But the reality is, is you, you've got to do your own due diligence. If, if you're wanting to really build a business, you need to screen, you need to sift through who is the right company for you. Ask as many questions as you can. Ask about all the results they've achieved. If they're selling you pipeline dreams and they're saying they can guarantee things, run away. Mm. But we don't ever guarantee results. We, we express that we have high levels of confidence in being able to achieve this, but you can't guarantee it. No way. We can guarantee that you're going to get the best experience that we can possibly provide with the best talent in the country, right? And the, and, and the best knowledge and the, the most up-to-date understanding of these platforms because we've got um, relationships with all the agencies, Facebook, Google, all of that. We've got direct access. So, so we're very well equipped, right? It's like if I'm going to a doctor, I'm, uh, and I mean, this is debatable, but if I go to a doctor, I'm going to expect that, you know, I'm not going to sit there and argue whether I need this medication or this medication. Mm. It's like, hey, doc, here's my problem. Here's the solution I'm wanting. What do you got for me? That's what it should be for, for business owners, you know, and I, I hope small business owners, and they are slowly starting to, and even big corporations as well, who are slower to move, they're starting to realize that digital is the way. And if COVID has, has done anything, it's sped it up by about 18 months, I believe. Yeah. There's going to be a rush over the next three to four or five months of businesses wanting to get online. Yeah. So like you said, substitute for that lack of foot traffic, maybe lack of live events, if that's how they drove business, a lack of other sort of direct, maybe face-to-face um, side of things. Okay. And, and so again, you've been on quite a, quite a journey doing different things, um, always sort of stepping out of the box. If you were looking back and giving advice to that sort of 18 or 20-year-old version of yourself who's a bit, I guess, not sure what they want to do, not exactly happy with where they are, and knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to that younger version of yourself? Well, aside from the old stock standard, 
buy shares in Spotify, <laughs> Apple and Amazon <laughs> and Facebook. Um, literally just to, to follow your intuition, right? Like it took me, I battled with it a lot. I battled with it a lot, especially, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20, or even, even up to like 25 was um, following my intuition a lot more, I think would have served me in, in a fair few areas. I, I would have maybe stopped a couple of things earlier or I would have pursued with things a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely an advocate of everything's happened the way it's supposed to happen because it has. And there's, there's nothing that I'd go back and go, oh, but if I did this, think of the domino effect of if I did mm. do that, right? Everything else would be different and we'd, we'd be living in a, in a fictitious world. So probably just follow your gut a little bit more. And was there a, a moment that sort of made you realize, like, again, you had instincts, you were maybe suppressing it, you had intuition, you were ignoring it. And then how did you come to that point of, I guess, trusting more in yourself, in your gut, in your inner voice versus sort of maybe ignoring it? Mm. Um, really good work. Uh, good question. Um, it, it came through my deep work of self-discovery. So I've got another company called Unleash Your Greatness, which mm -hmm. is in the personal development, self-help mm -hmm. um, field. You know, I wrote a book uh, um, called Right Now, Why Not You and Why Not Now? And that, that came off the back end of a, of a close dear friend of mine passing away in front of me and what it sort of triggered on the cascade effect of that. Mm. And it was really that, that thing of life's too short. You know, life's too short. Um, you know, that whole reason of right now, do it right now, just just do it right now. Whatever it is that you got to do, do it right now. Start taking the first steps. Um, so for me, it was going through that that quest of understanding myself and figuring out who I am and what I really stand for and and what's important to me in this in this world. And um, you know, by by going through that, it, it it just increased my level of emotional intelligence, increased my level of awareness, increased my level of intention when I'm doing anything. Um, you know, and just just put me into a a really comfortable um, mindset, you know, and I, I, I just said it, but the ethos that I live by, which gets me through anything, like anything and everything. Now, whilst most of the, the country felt the world was falling down with COVID, I was just like, oh, it's just, it's just a little thing that's happening right now. Don't get me worried. I mean, I don't get me um, twisted. I was, you know, I was like, oh, this is bloody interesting. <laughs> but what allowed me to, to help keep our, even team calm and, and, you know, feeling confident through this and myself and my wife and my family and friends was living by that ethos of everything is happening the way it's supposed to happen because it is debate that right. <laughs> you can't, mm. right. It's, it's like, I tried to, I've, I've sat there and tried to break that down and go and try and look at it from every angle. I'm like, it's sort of, it's unpenetrable. You can't, it, Give me another reason. So when you face that and you go, you know what? It, it you know, and, and you hear a lot of people go, it is what it is. I mean, that's more of a surface level of it. Mm. If they truly understood the depth of it and go, you're right, it really is what it is. There's layers to things, right? Mm -hmm. It's surface level words and conversations and things that people say, but it's like, do you really mean it? Does it really shift your DNA code? Mm. And you mentioned obviously that sort of brush with the mortality that sort of 
reminded you of the shortness of life and you spent a lot more time on self-development. Were there particular things you did? Did you start journaling? Did you start reflecting more on your life? Did you, were there specific things? Like you said, now you're a lot more aware, you're a lot more purposeful in, in your goals, in your ambitions, in, in your vision. Like were there specific things? I mean, that was the event that triggered it, but then what was the, I guess, process in order to become more aware? Well, it, it was the ability to ask myself better questions mm -hmm. or ask myself better questions, but to be able to be brutally honest with my answers, like to be brutally honest, you know, um, there's, yeah, look, I've, I've journaled a little bit. I'm not much of a journaler. Mm -hmm. Like I've got friends who journal every day and I'm like, I tried it. I started, I'm like, nah. I was just trying to make it fit. You know, and this is, this is, I feel, a big problem out there as well. When people are on this personal development, you know, self-discovery type quest, they feel they have to do it. Like meditation's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've got friends who meditate twice a day, every day religiously. I have multiple different forms of meditation that I'll use depending on the situation and scenario. And I might do a two-minute meditation. I might do a 20-minute. I might do a 30-minute. I don't lock myself into this, um, here's what I do every single day. Like I do what feels good and I've got, obviously I, I keep rules and I keep guidelines mm. and my book actually outlines a framework around this funnily enough around, you know, having, I have my non-negotiables. So mm. I have my set of non-negotiables mm. that have to happen every single day. Right. Um, you know, one of them being, I have to tell my wife that I love her. Mm. Right. That's a non-negotiable. I have to do that in a day. Right. Um, and that shouldn't be a chore really, <laughs> but sometimes when she pisses me off, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to say it today. <laughs> But it's a non-negotiable, right? Mm. Um, so I have my set of non-negotiables. I have my set of guidelines of how I live life. Guidelines meaning a guideline because sometimes I break it. Sometimes I step over the mark. You know, one of them is my guideline is to reduce cursing, right? Mm -hmm. And because I haven't asked you, it, like normally I would ask at the start of a podcast, go, hey, what's your rule around cursing? Because sometimes when I'm in a passionate sort of display of conversation, I can let an F-bomb here and there slide and, and emphasize. And I, I think there's a time and place for it all. But my, my thing around that is it's a guideline that I'm being in, intentionally aware of mm. and conscious of and making sure that I'm trying to do my best. I think I've dropped maybe one or two swear words if we got a fact checker <laughs> on that. Um, but I, I know that because it's something that is ingrained in me as a guideline of how I should be living my life. So when you set this sort of foundation for how you want to be showing up, it changes everything, right? Mm -hmm. It changes everything. But guess what? We all have shit days. We all turn up as someone that we don't want to be sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's how quick can you rebound from that and, and go, you know what? All right. I just had a moment, had a brain explosion. Sorry for doing whatever it was, if you need to apologize, but then move on for it. So there is a number of things, right? Fitness is always good. Um, but again, I don't train every day. Mm. Right? I, I just, I just want to sort of break the conversation and stigma around where people are like you have to do 30 minutes exercise every morning. You have to meditate, you have to journal <laughs> and you have to sing Kumbaya, right? Now for some people who love that man, power to that because the, the dedication to do that is just absolutely off the, the Richter scale. And I, I admire that, but it's also okay not to do all of those things sometimes. The real big key thing is just to, at the very least, do a weekly check-in of your week. How'd your week go? You know, I'll, I'll do a daily check-in every day and that's become a part of my DNA where I'm laying in bed and going, where was I a dick today? Or where did I do something that I wish I probably didn't? And what could I maybe learn from that? That's it. Don't be too tough on yourself. 
Yeah, and it almost goes back to what you were saying at the start about the 30 students in the room with different learning styles. It's the same, right? You get some people who want the prescription, tell me what to do for my yeah. you know, self-improvement. Other people want the framework. Some people want to figure it out on their own. Other people want to build their own. Other people <laughs> sort of want it. So there's definitely not a, a one-size-fits-all. It's that finding what sort of works best for the, the individual. Absolutely. And, and so again, like you said, you, you've been a lot more intentional with the current business compared learning and growing personally and, and professionally. So, so looking forward five or 10 years, what's the vision um, for where you're going to be, where the business is going to be? I guess, yeah, both at a sort of personal level and as a business professional level, what are the longer term goals that you're looking to achieve? Yeah, so longer term goals for Claxton is to become the number one digital growth agency globally, right? So mm -hmm. we, we want that that global footprint. Um and to be producing, you know, the best, the best outcomes, the best work. Um, myself, um, for me, is um, I've got a number of, um, let's say, projects in, baking in the oven. Mm -hmm. I, I'm one thing about me is I play a very, very long game. Mm. Okay, so the fitness business, the um, you know, the consulting company, the agency, they're all part of a longer play. Um, I will be in the next, you know, um, definitely um, the Unleash Your Greatness brand and business will be, um, there'll be a shift and a, and a primary focus around that mm -hmm. uh, because that's what I know I'm put on this planet to do. I'm just really good at marketing and business, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, when I say I'm really good, well, I guess I am. I, I'm allowed to write my own rewards here. Um, <laughs> But I'm really great at being able to get people to realize something about themselves and then go and start taking action on it. And I was talking to my um, podcast producer actually yesterday. We pumped out um, three podcasts. And there was a, what I generally find is there's a consistent sort of narrative that sort of pops up depending on the day in the, mm -hmm. in the week or, or whatever. Um, and it sort of reverts back to, and you know, I said to him, I said, Hey man, I'm interested to, to get your thoughts. Like obviously, cause he hears me do all my podcasts. We actually filmed a, a daily vlog when we first started the agency back three years ago. Mm -hmm. And we, every day he was recording me every day. Um, and so he'd hear me speak to all my clients and consulting clients and then our team and everything. And I said, I'm interested to hear like, what, what do you think that, um, you know, like, from a speaking, from a conversation perspective, from a leadership level, where do you think my sort of expertise sort of lie? Like um, my differentiators lie. Um, and my intuition was telling me something and I just sort of wanted to see what his thoughts were. And, and he, he pretty much echoed what was what I was thinking. And it's the, for me, that, that ability to be able to take something that might be seen as boring. Let's just use marketing, right? Mm. Or even Facebook advertising. Mm. So I speak at a lot of organizations around the country and if they get me in on Facebook advertising, like I'm not a Facebook advertiser. I just know how to do it, but mm. I can transition the conversation of Facebook advertising and have people walking out of the room going, Oh my God, I have to be using Facebook advertising. So it's been able to, to, to take someone who may have a specific outlook on something and then totally change their perspective through story and narration and, and, results essentially and being able to showcase hey there's a, there's a potentially better way of doing this right which is what we sort of you know at the, the very start was talking about it's 
there is a better way of doing something and I want to be able to help you and show you um, the options available, right? And, and it's up to you then to, to jump on the ship. And with that, I mean, again, taking that point and running with it, would that look like something beyond the marketing that you're doing in terms of, like you said, getting people to take action and sort of seize um, goals they want to do on a broader scale and helping communicate Absolutely. that to people? And well, unless your greatness is exactly what it is. It's mm. like unleashing that greatness inside of you. And, and look, business is just one component of it. Mm. Maybe you just want to be a better father. You want to be a better mother. Mm. The fundamentals are really the same over the board. It's just the deliverables change, right? It's the deliverables and, you know, the conversation communication needs to change. But how I'd get you to go and grow a business would be how I'd motivate you to be the best father in the world, mm. right? Um, so there's nothing that lights me up more than being able to see someone having a, a personal, emotional, positive change. Yeah, and I guess that's also the thread because fitness is about that, right? Someone comes in to lose weight, but it's about, again, their whole life. It's holistic. Someone comes to grow their business, it's about their whole life. You know, it's not ever just about the one thing. Well, that's where it started, right? I was, I was personal training and I was becoming part-time psychologist, <laughs> right? Because that's what it was. And mm. I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. Like, you know, I started having non-sweat sessions with clients. I'm like, let's just sit down and talk about this. And, you know, you could see someone coming in from the end of their day. They're coming to do a training session. And the energy required to get them up to a level physically to be able to release that energy was tough for a lot of people. But being able to sit down for 10 minutes with someone and help them think something through and get themselves to ask themselves a bit of questions so they could find out an answer, you could literally see the pounds and kilos mm. drop off them emotionally. Same thing with a business. You know, when I, when I was consulting and doing, doing advisory, um, is business owners would come and go, how do I grow my business? It's like, whoa, okay, that's that's an interesting question. It's like, let's let's digest that a little bit and dig a little bit deeper, and let's see what's actually stopping you from thinking that you can, because the answers are easy to find. Mm. Like the answers are easy to find. You just need to know the question. And again, so someone would come to you, or how do I eat better? How do I do this? A surface level, like you said, how do I get more? You know better use of my Facebook or something, but then you're able to dig, peel the onion back, dig past that. Well, what are the beliefs? What are the mindsets? What are the underlying psychology of the individual to really sort of lift and get that and give them what they need, not just what they think they need or what they want. Yeah. You need to connect it to meaning because mm. if there's no meaning connected to anything, is what's the point? Like why would you want to post something on Facebook? Why would you want to use advertising? Why would you want to start taking marketing seriously in your business? Mm. That's the question. Yeah. And, and so do you have a final thoughts, comments, again, a, a personal life motto, meaning you'd like to leave the audience with? Well, mate, I've said it twice. I'll, I'll say it for the third time because I think this is, this is how I'd love to see a lot more people adopt. It would remove so much pessimism and negativity from the world. It's everything is happening the way it's happening mm. because it is, you know, that's it. It is. You can't fight it. It's already happened. Get over it. Let's move move on. Spend some time. If you need to be upset for 30 minutes, 20 minutes, that's cool. If you need to be upset for a day, if it's that big of a thing, but you, you can work it out. You can work through it. And, and um, you know, it's I'm all about living in the now. That's why I wrote a book called Right Now. I didn't, didn't write the book called The Past or The Future because mm. sometimes you get stuck living in the future that you're mm. forgetting about now. You know, and I, I did a little bit of that. I was thinking so far down the future that I was forgetting about the now and, and 
you know, with my wife who was at the time my girlfriend, you know, I wasn't spending the time that I needed or wanted to or should have or, you know, giving her the, the love and attention that I know she deserves mm-hmm. and that what I want to be able to provide as a partner because I was living too far in the future. So finding that balance of being able to use what you can, can from the past as lessons, bring it into the present right now to live the life that you want to be the person that you want to be and how you want to be showing up so that you can build a potential greater future. That's the goal. Excellent. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you for listening to the Future of Australia podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. To learn more about the Future of Australia project, check out futureofaustralia.com. To reach out to Derek directly, you can email derek at futureofaustralia.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at futureofaustralia.com.